This podcast is proudly sponsored by Joro Protein, a Rhode Island plant-based protein supplement company designed for athletes and adventurers. They deliver 25 grams of protein, 5 grams of BCAAs, and 18 essential vitamins and minerals. It's non-GMO, it's gluten-free, it's allergen-free, no artificial flavors, no added sugar or stevia, and it has no additional gums, thickeners, or fillers. Right now, you can get 30% off on this podcast with the code JOROROADYSTRENGTH2022, and you can find them at JOROProtein.com. This podcast is brought to you by Phase CBD. That's P-H-A-Z-E. They are a local Rhode Island company who makes and manufactures a wide-ranging variety of CBD products that are formulated specifically for athletes. It doesn't matter if you're a CrossFitter, a strongman, bodybuilder, or powerlifter. These products are for you. These products range from tinctures to seltzers to even roll-on applicants. By supporting this business, you're supporting a local Rhode Island business and you're supporting this podcast directly. Please check them out at phasesports.com. All right, what's going on, guys? Dr. Matt here, host of the Roadie Strength Podcast. We are back with Brett from Elevate. What's going on? What's going on? We we enjoyed round one so much, we had to do round two. Round one got a little wild, not going <laughs> to lie. Round one was fun, though. Okay. It was good. I, I enjoyed it. I think uh, we had the typical kind of like tangential, like one topic to another, which sometimes that's where the great conversations are, so... Well, I hope this time I can be more conversational. I felt like I was doing like monologues and similes and all these things <laughs> and all the alliterations of, of language. So I was like, hmm. It was story time. I wonder if Matt wants to talk a little bit. <laughs> that's all right. Hey, that's that's why I have the guest on though, because like it's it's all about you. I mean, I'm on every episode, and you're only on. That's me. You know, so when you're right, you. you're right, Matt. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, it's all about me again. This is good. This is great. Um, so I guess we'll do a quick recap, just in case uh, someone uh, didn't hear your first one. Okay, deal. Uh, Sensei Brett, uh, owner of Elevate uh, Judo and Jiu Jitsu locations in Middletown, um, Exeter. Soon to be Providence. Providence will be doing with uh, my my brother and father in law. Cool. And uh, it's it's going to be in this building in this small room at CFP. Yes. For the video listeners, we are back in the CFP studio. Hello, everyone. <laughs> this is the place to be if you want to pick things up, put things down, including weight and humans. So <laughs> that's great. There you go. That's fantastic. Well. <laughs> um, so a quick quick uh, summary on uh, I guess kind of glimpse of uh, what you're all about. So we have. Um, you started martial arts at age 17, obtained black belts in judo, karate, brown belt, and jiu-jitsu. Uh, knowledge of martial arts has provided you with many different learning aspects and techniques and teaching styles. Uh, you now focus on coaching both youth and adult students. You hold a national coach certification from USA Judo and have a master's degree in global management from Saybrook University. Yeah. <laughs> Close we'll, enough. We'll start with that. We'll start with that. Um, so some of the stuff we touched on last time, um, I mean, we, we hit the rapid-fire questions. Um, we it's, talked about... So the rapid-fire <laughs> questions, one of them really stuck to me, like the whole, uh, what it's been like two weeks since then. Okay. Remember you said, like, who's your celebrity crush? I was yes. like, I don't think I have one. And I said, was it Camila Cabella? Is yeah, that yeah, the singer. Then I was like, I should probably look this person up. <laughs> I looked it up, and I was like... I don't think I have a crush on no, this person. No, I don't think that's just a the great case. voice. Just that one song from like six years ago. What song She's is fine. It? She's all. I, I, never be the same. Is that is that what it is? I have sure. no idea. I, I thought of the most poppiest song I could yeah. think of. Yeah. That I could potentially have like 
gone out of traction for the viewers. Sure, you know? I was sure. like, that guy's cool. This is that hip song the kids listen to. <laughs> You're always um, thinking about the viewers. So, uh, <laughs> my celebrity crush, I don't even know the person's name. Okay. And it's probably an older show now. And I don't even know if the show is still in, in season. Okay. Was it Vikings? Mm. Never saw it, but it looked really cool. Oh, so this is going to be helpful. Now you can't help me either. There's, <laughs> there's a character called Lagatha. And she okay. was she was the a Viking, a shield maiden, and I was like, oh wow, I could I could have a crush <laughs> on, a on shield maiden? the shield maiden <laughs> in Vikings. In Vikings, so I had there just you finished go. Uh, Game of Thrones, <laughs> and someone was like, oh, you have to check out this new show, Vikings, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I just forgot about it. But I heard it was okay. a great show. It's a great. I didn't get through all the seasons. Sorry, Vikings. Oh, uh, I got pretty far. Did you? I got pretty far. There's a bunch of seasons. I really liked it. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So, there you go. Well, all right. So, um, and then we, we also talked about last time, uh, traveling, uh, podcasts, books you liked, Instagram accounts. I don't think I, I don't know if we either got an answer or if I asked you mm. your favorite submission. Oh, uh, yeah, we did. Yeah. That, that <laughs> did we get an answer to that? Long track. <laughs> I just, I like Kintetsu Waza a lot. The, okay. The breaky breakies and the takey yes. takeys, right? Okay. That's right. Okay. That's arm bars and other <laughs> such things, folks. Very I like nice. how I keep looking at the camera as if this is helpful for anyone watching the viewership. I feel like Amber... The viewers feel a connection right now. Do they? Now. Yeah. Because now I'm nervous because Amber Heard was doing that in the... She was um, looking at the camera? She was looking at the jury and oh. people said that was odd. So I hope this isn't odd. Every time I go to talk to Matt and I look at the camera, I hope people aren't freaking out. I'm just trying to be helpful. Fair enough. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I saw something... On a, it might have been a meme <laughs> on Instagram recently. Uh, she's the, one of the most attractive faces or something like that. Amber Heard? Yeah. Oh, but then the meme, the, the, the dialogue, but but she shits the bed. So it's... So it always... It, it, it draws back some points. It draws back some points. I thought that was... Uh, I thought that was amazing. That was on... That was just like on all the time, right? It was yeah. on YouTube and other, other uh, places. And I thought like, man, there's so many really important really like kind of stressful truths happening in the world and somehow i was like you know what we're gonna do put that to the side and watch this court case yeah it was gripping it it was was a reality tv show that was was like kind of not ending you're like it can't get weirder you're like it got weird (laughs) it keeps getting getting weirder anyways maybe we needed that a little bit from reality needed johnny depp and amber heard to help us out get through it 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 did make me like Johnny Depp more. I mean, not not only the fact that Isn't he was that kind strange? of dismissed yes. from everything. Like, yes. if he got convicted, it was like, ah, oh, he's a dickhead. <laughs> but like, he was dismissed. Like, oh, those weren't true. But yeah. his personality during it was uh, a great. I think that um, the only thing, one of the, not only thing, one of the things that was helpful was, is you see people, yeah. right, who are in movies on camera, yeah. making more than fifty dollars a day, sure. right, at least. More than five or fifty, could be sixty. Who knows? <laughs> um, they may or may not have several nice houses, and things seem sure. to be going well, like yeah. career-wise, wealth-wise, sure, relationship-wise. But life can still be <laughs> yeah. very sticky. Yeah. And um, I think sometimes when you're building yourself to be successful. In whatever realm that you're trying to be successful, it's really hard to judge yourself against people that you see. Yeah. Um, whether it be TV or the news or history books. Sure. Because you, we don't have, we don't even know who those people are. Yeah. Never mind even just people that are nearby. 
Yeah. So the only person you can really compare yourself for success is who you were yesterday. And just sure. keep shipping that away. Sure. So. Yeah. Take that, everyone, for right. whatever I said. Brett's <laughs> like, oh, thanks for that advice, Brett. No, it's true. But I, I do I do mean it. I think I, would, I, I, I was like, man, these people, like, kind of, if I looked on paper, yeah, they've got it all. Right. However, right. they have nothing. True. All at the same time. Yeah. It's chaos. It is. It is. Yeah, you look at someone like that, you're like, oh, it must be so nice must to be them. Be nice. They have perfect life, everything. Meanwhile, but... fingers getting chopped off. <laughs> Things getting left in the bed that usually don't go in the bed. There's some Usually yelling in involved. <laughs> tough, yeah. It is tough. Or, yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, we'll 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 move. We'll change tracks. We'll try to get onto the uh, jujitsu path a All little right. bit. Jujitsu judo. Jujitsu oh, judo. All right. Um, so I, I listened to one of your podcasts. Did you? Yes, I was trying to listen to a few of them. Well, thank you. I had I had a moment to get to listen to them. I was Excellent. listening to um, one person. He was a strength coach of uh, was it you or I? Yes. For the. Um, was it for everyone or was it for Strange a certain conditioning. team? Yeah, Leech. Okay. Coach yes. Leech, yep. I was listening to that and that was great. And then the other one, the podcast, caught my eye. Unfortunately, my time is so splintered right now. So sure. if I can listen to something in the car, yeah, uh, like that's what I'm going to be able to do. But I totally. listened to the, um, I believe she's the hockey strength and conditioning Sydney. coach. Sydney. Yep. Yes. Yep. So I was trying to listen to that. Awesome. Thank I want, you. I wanted to hear some perspectives about what it's like to be a... Uh, a coach athlete or a growing coach athlete and all those things so. yeah she had a cool perspective on uh how to balance everything yeah as far as the like, athleticism and, and coaching so uh busy person you know it was interesting because <laughs> of that podcast i downloaded this app called my fitness pal oh coming at you <laughs> i've lost five or six pounds in seven days incredible okay incredible that's for you all and for my fitness pal if you decide that this might be the place for you to help sponsor the podcast well i appreciate that brad yes. <laughs> yeah i'll throw you some money if they if they reach out to us <laughs> thank you make some royalties on yeah, exactly it. all right um so first question that we had left off on all right i'm gonna um, try to rein it in which i time. think <laughs> which is fine yeah which i think we touched on slightly but i just want to um kind of dive into the details a little more was um, so we talked a lot about the origins of judo and jiu-jitsu. Um, I think one piece we didn't hit that I'm kind of interested in is we talked a lot a lot about the origins in Japan. Yeah. But I don't think we touched too much on how it got to Brazil and then to the U.S. Well, sure. Um, and and in, oh, sorry, <laughs> very popular people call me. Um, so here here's a part of uh, of history that I, I wish I. I was able to have more time to to truly race down the true history of a lot of things. Sure. And I think this is where a lot of the information gets a little diluted. Diluted. Mm. Okay. So um, I mentioned there's a Robert Dreisel just wrote a book, and I he might be making a film out of it as well. He might have Jamie look that up or yep. something. Jamie, where Jamie. are you at? <laughs> and um, that's a Joe Rogan podcast shout out right there. <laughs> Rogan podcast if you want to sponsor <laughs> podcast sponsoring podcasts we're all in this together we're all in this together um, so this is where like some things get a bit skewed mm. okay so what we have going on when judo slash jujitsu gets transferred over into Brazil is you have to understand that there's I don't know the correct term I'm just going to say Japan 
has a lot of their citizens moving to Brazil. Gotcha. Okay. At the time. Okay. At the same time, the Kodakon is um, it's garnering more and more people within it. All right. And uh, brief reminder: the Kodakon. Yes, it's the original dojo for what's considered judo now, as opposed to jujitsu. Gotcha. So and, and so probably in the previous iterations before we created judo, and mm-hmm. I can go over. I didn't go that all over already. I can explain what do is, but I think to I, do. the way. The way, the way. Oh, that's right. That's, that's <laughs> kind of close. Right, fair enough. <laughs> to be, right? To be. Raison d'être. Um, so the Kodakon is um, is getting a... Probably has always been slightly politicized at some some level. Because uh, Jigoro Kano used to be a, a full-time professor on top of teaching judo. It was a kind of part of the curriculum mm. back then. And so there's a gentleman... There's multiple gentlemen. So that's that's the other part of this that, that's, that I don't have all information on. But one sure. of the primary people is a gentleman named Maeda. Mm-hmm. And Maeda is essentially having disagreements with some of the higher-ups in the Kodakon. Gotcha. And Jigoro Kano says, hey, you should probably get out of here. <laughs> Nicely. In the nicest way, because I think he liked Maeda. Maeda apparently was a very good practitioner and sure. uh, a very talented fighter, like in general. Yeah. And my guess is there were some disagreements. Oh, man put a feather in this, right? Um, there were once upon a time two Kodakons. Okay. I know this doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now. <laughs> Bear with me. Apparently, there was a Kodakon in Tokyo. That's the one we all know as now as the Kodakon. Okay. The epicenter of the judo. At some point, there was another Kodakon in okay. Kyoto. The one in Tokyo typically focus a bit more on tachiwaza, nagiwaza techniques, standing, throwing. And That's the one right. in Kyoto focus more so on neiwaza, katamiwaza, shimiwaza, konsetsuwaza. Yeah, they worked ah. on the ground. And so a lot of times they were competing against other jiu-jitsu schools, no doubt about it. Sure. But when the two Kodakons competed against each other, it was exciting. It was like, who's going to win? The thrower? The more throwing-oriented people or the more mat-work-oriented people? A little mixed martial arts action? Yeah, well, it was also <laughs> kind of fun, right? Because yeah. like, you had some severe like mat-work special, mm. specialists. Like uh, Isagao, I believe, is the gentleman's name. That was that was uh, super important in the development of mat-work for what's considered judo and even today's idea of what Brazilian jiu-jitsu is. Okay. So I have to throw that out there. So the reason why I throw that out there is after World War II, Kyoto goes away. That dojo's gone. Gotcha. And now you're left with... Tokyo? Tokyo. Okay. So, who knows, in the, in this grand scheme of things, mm. who knows where Maeda had kind of stood. Mm. Maeda might have been like, yeah, I want to focus more on these things that I think are important for fighting. Mm. And potentially, maybe the Kodokan wanted to build things more towards a, a sport-oriented or more self-defense-oriented kind of aspect. Sure. Right? If you're being on the ground fighting three or four people who are multiple opponents, gets to be a little tricky. Yes. Fair. Fair. Okay. But if you're competing one on one, the ground's pretty good. In fact, yeah. it's pretty great if you're the one on top or winning. Yeah, definitely. Fair enough, right? <laughs> if no one knows how to fight on the ground, and you have the ability to take out explosive energy by putting him down to a knees or especially to a back. Mm. 
things are going pretty well. Um, there's some friction. And so, Judo Kano says, like, maybe you should go to the United States. Maybe you should introduce Judo to the U.S. And so, Maeda... <laughs> maybe you should get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Eh, should I go? You know? It's probably, you know we, we think of that now. And I think of, like, okay, so he had a leave. But, like, to me, that's like a 10, 12-hour flight. Yeah. Right? For them, they're like, I gotta get in that boat, huh? <laughs> We're gonna send you as far away as possible. <laughs> we love you, but you gotta go. Let me think about that, right? So, uh, you had to take a boat, go across the Pacific Ocean, which apparently isn't small. Mm. Um, some would say the largest ocean, right? And then you gotta get to this place called West Point, which I sure. believe is not in California. And so, now you gotta take a train. Yeah. They don't have Uber. Right? No you, Uber. You've got to get all the way. No planes. Yeah. Hmm. So you got to get all the way to West Point. So they're doing a demonstration. Him and an older gentleman. This will come all together in a moment. Okay. And they're demonstrating the effectiveness of judo um, to, the, to a lot of the cadets. Hmm. Well, in the U.S., like wrestling's pretty much where it's at at the moment. Plus, catch wrestling's definitely where it's at. Almost like submission-like wrestling situations. Okay. Almost like nogi jiu-jitsu, to be quite frank. Mm. Um, something happens where Maeda is taken down in some fashion. Yeah. Or maybe he attempted to throw and miss it. I, who knows? Mm. But, like, all I know is there's confusion. The okay. person that was on top thinks he's pinning Maeda. But Maeda's in guard. And then Maeda puts on an armbar. Yeah submits the guy there's a lot of disagreement sure people, people are a little confused and he's like well this is how we do it and this is like well that's not what we do like right. so, like, so like well who won it's like well we'll do it again yeah I don't think they wanted to do it again yeah <laughs> right but uh, my idea was I, I'm very sorry this is I, I should have done a better job remembering everyone's names but there's a gentleman that Maida went with mm. he's an older gentleman he has a higher rank in judo okay than, than Maeda does but he's not great at fighting. Hmm. But in the U.S., people think like, well, if you're if you're a higher number, that means you've got to be better. Right. So they challenge him over Maeda. Yeah. And Maeda is like trying to be polite, and there's a hierarchy of politeness, by the way, just in rank and in, in the culture of Japan. Sure. He's probably being like, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And the guy's like, yes, I can. I can do this. Guy gets the crap kicked out of him. Maeda's not happy. Who gets cracked at that? The judo guy? Yeah, the judo guy yeah. just just loses. Yeah. And Maeda's just not thrilled. He's like, I told you not to do that. Yeah. You're embarrassing me. You right. embarrassed judo. I'm out. Uh, so Maeda then goes off to Europe and other places and then arrives in Brazil at some point in time. And all this uh, time, he has decided to become a fighter. Yeah. He's essentially doing MMA. No rules fighter. Yeah. Uh... You have to look up his name. It, it's, it could be Count Kunto. Could be his name. Maeda. He had a fighting name. If you have more questions about this, you can. Everyone can look this up. You know, you can look up Maeda and the history of Maeda and the Gracies and all these things. How would you spell Maeda? M A E D A. I had an I and a T in there. Quick Kili is his fighting name. This might be pronounced differently. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, that's in the wrestling show. 
that's for pro wrestling. Oh, okay. Right? So mixed martial arts career, you can see this, right? Gotcha. Now, I also think we might be looking in the late 1980s. So we have to go into Mitsu Maeda. Ooh, look at that. Look how... He's got a mustache. It's that means you're powerful, right? It does. I enjoyed my mustache in November. <laughs> I felt powerful. <laughs> All right. So you can see how... Oh, there it is. Count Coma. Excuse me. Okay. So Count Coma. Oh, that's nice. They call him Grandmaster Mitsuo Maeda. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's right here. Learned Jiu-Jitsu in Japan. He was bestowed the nickname of Count Coma in Spain, won hundreds of fight in Cuba, and uh, gave his knowledge to his young students like, here it comes, Carlos Gracie in Brazil. Wow. So you can look all this stuff up, but there's probably more and more information about this than currently thought. This is just what's like kind of readily available. Mm. And I think Robert Drysdale tries to really try to figure out where all this comes from, right? Sure. So, anyways, Mitsuo Maeda very talented uses a lot of groundwork techniques to win these fights taking to the ground well you got to finish right and, you know it's he's teaching there's other Japanese though also teaching some version of jiu-jitsu mm. in Brazil at the time sure and the story goes that the Gracie's the father is um, is essentially helping out with immigration okay. and in order to return the favor he asks if Maeda can teach his boys, Carlos, and uh, uh, well, I believe he primarily taught Carlos for X amount of time. This is where things get confusing, right? Sorry, I'm asking you like a, a history lesson off the top yeah. of your head. <laughs> but that's okay. The, the 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 issue is there's more information out there so I don't want to like give out information that like I might not have all the way figured out and mm. lots of people have written about this mm. um, and you could you could look up some of these things but it, it had such amazing impact on the growth of not just judo in Brazil but also jiu-jitsu judo in Brazil is huge mm. And for a very long time, it was still more popular than Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We could look up the stats moment and see if Judo is still more popular in Brazil today or if Jiu-Jitsu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, has taken over in popularity of number of people in there. Mm. Um, I just want to see sure. exactly who they believed he had, he had taught. Because there's, there's ideas that maybe he didn't, teach as much as people had thought yeah it is interesting whenever you hear jiu-jitsu talks about especially in the u.s they call it brazilian jiu-jitsu yes now the and i'm, I'm over generalizing <laughs> oh, sure. the idea is that the gracies and other brazilians by the way mm -hmm. had thought that they took the techniques that was taught to them mm -hmm. and they had adapted it and created almost their own subsystem of sure. what jiu-jitsu is. Gotcha. They could be 
right in many aspects. Mm-hmm. They could also, a lot of the changes might have happened later than people might expect. Gotcha. Based on potentially the rule set of the competitions that they were holding. Okay. 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 So maybe an analogy to that would be like if Gordon Ryan, who has had, and John Danaher, who have had a lot of impact in the sport, yes. they could consider themselves like the Danaher method of that's correct. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, so it's, it's great that we're saying this because that's what judo was called Kano Jiu-Jitsu first. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it, it was pretty normal to have a family lineage of name plus jiu-jitsu. I think we brought, uh, touched upon that before. Sure. Okay. Um, I, I believe it wasn't just Carlos that was taught, but I think... Maybe some other members of the family. There's ideas. People used to say that Maeda had taught Carlos and Elio Gracie. Sure. I'm not sure if that's what it is. You, sure. It, it might be important to talk to um, another great person would probably be like Marcio Stambowski. Okay. He's down in Connecticut. He's a red red and white belt, core belt, you know, a high level sure. degree in jiu-jitsu. And Marcio Stambowski uh, is uh, is brother-in-law with all the Gracies, like Henzo oh, wow. and Alf and all those folks. His son is Neiman Gracie, his daughter's Deborah Gracie. Mm. So th- he would have more ideas about certain stories and history that, that I could probably give you just because he was there. Yeah, we'll have to reach out to him. Yeah. (laughs) Get some more in-depth knowledge on it. So I don't want to go too far in-depth about the history. Okay. But essentially, Japan, Maeda's major factor. Sure. Leaves the Kodokan. U.S., Europe, and Spain gets the name Count Mm -hmm. Coma. Goes to Brazil. He's a prize fighter. He's winning all the time. At some point, at some time, maybe it's in real estate or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. he needs help from the Gracie family. And the father was a Scottish Brazilian family. Mm -hmm. Says, like, the idea and the story that goes, teach my boys. Yeah. Sure. And then from there, they say that they took the, the judo techniques and they made it more into uh, capability for more groundwork for the weaker player to beat the stronger players. Mm. Who knows? That, sure. Like, how long did, did Maeda teach Carlos? Right. That's, Who knows? Uh, with the historical context, I actually don't know yeah. if it was more than a few years. Sure. I don't know. Sure. There's so many things. Like, if, if you think about it, Jigoro Kano, who develops judo as we know it or mm-hmm. the concept of randori and other things was pretty genius when you look at his training time under the tutelage of uh, the great masters it's only a few years they wow. kept dying oh god yeah. Okay? yeah right so you've been doing jiu-jitsu now for about a year right yeah now off and on yeah so if you did it for another two years would you be would you think you were capable to teach a whole style in a whole school. <laughs> no. Okay, well, that's what a lot of these people are doing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of mind-boggling, right? Sure. And it's not just in judo. It's in other martial arts, too. Yeah. I have a black belt in karate. It's, it's, it's in the karate style. It's called Weichiru. Mm. But that's someone's last name. Ah, okay. Because they're like, I just call it. It's, it's his style. It's his, yeah. He's got a weird style. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You just call it Weichiru, right? And so what happens is this guy, Weichi, goes... It's Okinawan, mm-hmm. right? Because that's where karate comes from. It's called T or Te for the longest time. Hands, just called, just called hands. People are fighting. That's the way it is. But it's coming from China, mostly. Sure. And it's coming from a very specific area of China called Fukian Province. Okay. And over there, uh, they they call it like Southern Shaolin, potentially. Mm. Or it could be White Crane. Mm. And, and there's an amazing amount of lineage and similarities that comes from these styles in China. 
Okay. This is important for like later reasons about all these things, but <laughs> what I'm trying to explain is it was told that he had trained for X amount of years underneath a master in, in China, huh. or at least the Fukien province, whatever, whatever people would like to call that at this time. And he opened his own school, and then he had to stop teaching because one of his students killed some other person in a farming dispute. He said, you got to get out of here. In a farming dispute? Yeah. <laughs> well, That's my cow. You, no, you, that's my cow. You have to think about it, right? Back back a uh, hundred plus years ago, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a farmer, mm-hmm. and you're going to learn kung fu of some sort, or what is called hands in Okinawa or whatever, you don't really need your hands to, like, type computer. No one had keyboards. You yeah. didn't really sign anything. So you could just make your hands really dangerous. You sure? You can kind of make your hands, like not so great for use for other small things sure karate back then was mostly open hands kung fu is like mostly open hands mm. but that's it's a whole different realm of fighting that people don't get to talk about very much but mm. if I stab you in the neck with my fingers it's not good it hurts <laughs> it hurts probably kills you <laughs> wow yeah well that's how people die in farming disputes over <laughs> kung fu fair enough gotcha All right, fair great. enough so anyways he moves back to Okinawa he vows never to teach martial arts again and then somehow he convinced people convinced him to teach him some stuff and then all of a sudden what was once called Pangai Noon mm. half hard half soft becomes wait you real and then mm. you start thinking how long did he actually train for let's pretend it's 10 years yeah it's probably less than that sure okay right but let's pretend it's 10 how much do you know I mean uh, for that long a lot I would say yeah what if it's only 5 Less. Okay. <laughs> How long do you think it will take you to get to a purple belt in jiu-jitsu? Uh, what's, what's Based on how often you train right me, now. Me personally? Yeah, yeah, probably sure. like... Well, I have to hit blue first. <laughs> there we go. That's good. Nice. I don't know. Maybe five years? Is that what you say that's a good estimate? Fair enough. Yeah, okay. Well, with the amount of time that you're putting yeah. in right now, yeah. you got to get to blue first. The ranking for everyone listening is white, blue, purple, brown, black. Yeah. And we talked about where those colors came from. Came from over in France. Yep. And then from judo with the belt system, all these things. But it has some, some weight and importance in it to sure. uh, today's world. So in five years, you think you might get a purple belt. Sure. Well, that's two ranks below black. Sure. And black belt <laughs> is supposed to represent the beginning of true learning. Yeah. So, <laughs> now we're realizing, wow. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of time to not know a lot. Yes, definitely. Isn't that amazing? Yes. So that's why, like, when you say the origins of jiu-jitsu, I think it's so interesting because, like, if you're only learning for X amount of time, like, I don't know how long Carlos and Elio learned underneath Maeda, or if they learned sure. under him or other people. Sure, like, sure. So did they adapt many techniques from the Japanese, and it really did develop their own style of jiu-jitsu? Yeah. Well, hard to say. Hard to say. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe they did. If you look at some of the videos from the early 1900s, mm-hmm. you're seeing Delahiva hooks, though. Mm-hmm. You're seeing some very interesting uh, Ashikaramis and other situations. So, so I think it's it's a puzzling thing that I don't mm-hmm. have enough information for, but that's kind of the origins of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's coming from Japan. Yeah. The guy visits... The story is that he visits all these other places, countries, as a pro fighter. Sure. And then he teaches the Gracie family, and the Gracie family improves upon what Maeda showed him. Sure. For however long Maeda actually might have showed them. Sure. Interesting. Bizarro land. So yeah. there's a lot of other information, and there's a lot of other people that probably taught Jiu-Jitsu to other people other than the Gracie family. It mm. makes its way to the U.S. Mm-hmm. primarily 
through the Gracie family, though. Yeah. Because they created the UFC to market Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Really? 100%. Yeah, because that was a... I mean, I, original days of UFC was like, okay, let's... Or at least my take on it was like, okay, let's have all these different fighters from all these different styles yeah. and see which one's the best. Yep. And so um, I know like Jiu- um, Jiu-Jitsu and the Gracie were a big part of that in the beginning. Yeah. Um, they were the part of it. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's, that, that was like the name. Yeah. If, if you think about it. Now, now, some folks in the Gracie family were expert experts at marketing. Sure. Okay. Uh, well, this is one of the best marketing things you could ever do, right? Because yeah. you create the UFC, which was so interesting. Is the UFC was very popular here in the U.S., mm-hmm. right? And they sent in um, Hoist Gracie, who was probably the least uh, physically intimidating of the Gracies. Okay. They're like, hey, if he can get everyone, then everyone knows that our stuff works. Yeah. It's not just our other guys are like super good at fighting like some people are really good at fighting like Hal, Henzo and other people right sure I mean what I think is so interesting is like uh, Hickson of course jeez yeah, yeah Hickson was the guy what a lot of people don't know is like the really exciting fights were in Japan okay yeah yeah when Pride way back way back you had Pride was out there they had some other organizations as well but Hickson was out there fighting Henzo huh. uh, like some of the greatest matches of all time because back then it was like there was so much like unknown mm. still about these ideas of fighting and so much unknown of like who's gonna win and what's going on yeah but like the Gracies were uh, were over in Brazil winning yeah uh, sorry sorry the Gracies were over in Japan winning and yeah. they had this guy uh, uh, Sakuraba and like there's great videos online and YouTube and it can really build up the whole like what it actually was and what it felt like but like Sakuraba was literally defeating the Gracies one by one wow that was pretty crazy it was pretty cool just because like it had when I look at the, all those fights I think, think so much nostalgia I think it was so cool yeah it was so cool to put your family's name on the line like that sure and get out there and compete and for like all these people and these, those stadiums were packed in Japan very interesting uh, ways of fighting uh, uh, not just ways of fighting but watching fighting like it's quiet mm. and there's like cheering when something good happens and it's quiet really again. yeah that's a lot of, like golf or like even like, Olympic style <laughs> yeah, weightlifting yeah, that's the right audience is silence and then something good happens and then cheer yeah and then silence yeah. very like a respectful like, way yeah yeah interesting I mean, you go to a UFC match or a Bellator match here in the US like it's kind of loud all the time people are talking to each other yeah. drinking beers and hanging out yeah now the crowds have been way more educated Okay. over time in the U.S. So yeah. like when they see like a trial show, they're like, this is awesome. Yeah. But you're still not dealing with uh, the same culture in Japan where it's like, what? Sure, I, sure. I always wanted to fight in Japan. I thought it would be the coolest place. I, yeah. I almost never wanted to fight in the U.S. Yeah. For a little while, I, I, I was really excited to become like an MMA fighter. Sure. But I had injuries that just did yeah. not let that happen. Yeah, Plus yeah. like income and health insurance were, were problematic, <laughs> okay? Some would say non-existent. Sure. Um, but yes, so that's... That, that's kind of the history of how a lot of this exploded. Yeah. But, cool. like, there's always been a massive connection between Japan and Brazil. Yeah. In and out of time. And I think a lot of people have no idea about that. Yeah. Well, it's exciting <laughs> to know the history, because then you kind of get, can get excited to, like, understand what you have right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, it's actually a great uh, segue to another conversation. Mm. Right now... Right now, could could very well be the best time ever to get into jiu-jitsu. Sure. Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It could be the best time ever to learn. Mm. 
And on top of that, it could be the most difficult time to understand certain things like culture and values sure. that could be espoused in training jujitsu. Okay. So, um, I'm giving such a long, drawn-out idea of history because it's so important, and I'm, I'm missing tons of names. Sure. And I'm not being crazy accurate on the history because there's just so much information I could we could fill up all the time, and we have other topics yeah, to go through. Yeah. And like, I can come more prepared, and we can like <laughs> jump down the history and like read sure. all these books if that's people want to hear it. It's a strength podcast. It's your podcast <laughs> plus martial arts. So I'm probably boring people to tears right now. That's all right. I'm in history. <laughs> okay. What I'm trying to explain is a phenomenon has happened mm. where UFC has become very popular. Mm. People are watching, finding people becoming educated about this, and. Jiu-Jitsu has always been just drastically entwined with with uh, mixed martial arts. Oh, 100%. 100%, yeah. right? You are essentially, you must know some semblance of Jiu-Jitsu in order to be a mixed martial Definitely. arts fighter. You have to do they, it. They say in your stats, they're like, all right, yeah. what belt do you in Jiu-Jitsu? That's what right. is your style of fighting? Big deal. You know, if, no. if someone's coming in as a blue belt, they're like, oh, oh, God, he's only a blue belt in Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> like, oh, no. D1 wrestler, <laughs> yeah, but right. you know, it's yeah. fine. Black belt judo. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry. So, um, but you know these things, these things do matter. Yeah. Um, so what I'm trying to explain is like the UFC is televised, mm -hmm. and that's a big, big thing for the coming waves of all the sports. All the ball sports had TV time. They got very popular. They figured out to put commercials in there, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, making money, and that's how more people are intertwined in the sport culture within the U.S. that we have right now. Like people yeah. play t-ball when they're a kid instead of doing jujitsu. Sure. Why? Yeah. Well, that's that's what people have grown to become. Uh, fans of America's pastime yeah um, <laughs> even though it probably was cat wrestling but it's fine <laughs> <laughs> so no big deal um, so I'm talking about TV and video because back in the day I used to scrounge for any information on karate and kung fu and jujitsu and all these things mm -hmm. and so I would go to like borders bookstores and sit on the floor and I would rip these books out and I would just read yeah and I'm like, well, I don't have any money to buy this book. Got to put this book away, and hopefully, I remember it as I run away. <laughs> right. Right. Um, in today's world, you can go on YouTube and you yeah. get a wealth of information for free so much. on YouTube. It's actually crazy and how if much. If you want to pay a little bit, you can buy some instructionals. There you go. If you want to pay, like, people are like, oh, the instructional is expensive. Like, compared to what? <laughs> right. So let's yeah. say uh, someone's instructionals, like maybe it's John Donner's yeah. instructionals. Maybe you're gonna pay a hundred, hundred fifty for a hundred eighty, whatever. For hours of video. Okay, but it's hours of video. You can rewind it. You can watch it all the time. Yeah. And if you go to Jitsu, you might have to pay that much for a month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now you have all these people coming in excited. You have mm -hmm. gyms that are uh, a bit more cordial. You're or not. I'm gonna give you a plug, or you can go on the Elevate website, and uh, you have instructional videos on there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a growing library. It's a small library, but it's got to grow because I got to make great students. This is a segue into exactly what I'm talking about. Hey, that's how I uh, that's how I earn my stripes on those videos. There we go. We're gonna do soft class and we'll ruin the mics right there. Okay. So. I have traveled around the United States to get tons of information from all these people the best I could. Judo, Jiu-Jitsu, Karate, all striking, all that wild stuff. I've watched countless videos. I've, I've, like, I've probably almost failed out of college watching all these videos reading all these books. <laughs> and so, um, Brett, your paper's due. Uh, yeah, but... But I learned all these new techniques. I got this new technique, and... 
kind of need to figure this out. And you're wasting your time. I'm never going to do anything with that stuff. I'm like, but I think I could if you just let me. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Shout out uh, What Electric Coffee, by the way, slash New thanks. Harvest. Getting the shakes on right now. <laughs> I, all right. So, now, um, the issue with rampant available information even information mm-hmm. that are like amazing, like John yes. Connor stuff, uh, Gordon Ryan's, or uh, JT Torres. I'm sure he's great stuff. Mm-hmm. Keenan uh, uh, Cornelius, mm-hmm. as, as a like, look, you can keep going on and on and on. There's tons of people out there. Sure. Um, what can accidentally happen is something that happened this past weekend. If you were so used to information just right in front of you readily available yeah. and you're watching the tape and you're like ah this guy doesn't like this and this guy just won this tournament and now, now I know how to do it and I might know how to do this one part better than this person that I think is even teaching this I don't even know why he's teaching this way you can start all of a sudden not understanding the blood sweat tears mm. time history that your potential coach sensei has mm. Mm. time on the mat is time on the mat and time coaching on the mat is time coaching on the mat right, right? And so, just because you theoretically understand how a yeah. move is done, and even if you really watched it a hundred times, you remember it perfectly. Yep. You're not actually. You don't have the muscle memory. You don't have the practice. It's 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 that, and it's understanding hierarchies of organization and mm. structure within the gyms or within your dojos that you're at that may be a more important construct than you learning how to take a wrist a certain way and turn it to get a harder crank on an arm. Sure. So these these are the things that are happening right now. So it's never been a better time to start jujitsu. Yeah, I would I would also just say it's also a time to be aware that with the massive amount of information available sure. online and available sure. to you to become way better, way faster, it can be a little unusual mm-hmm. about the major lessons that Jiro Kano was trying to push onto everyone, mm-hmm. saying that this is to make better people in the community, right? Not just winning medals, right? In the U.S., we're very, very much focused on winning. Yes. As a culture, I yes. don't know if you've noticed this. Yes. <laughs> my my slight fear is when life is all about competing and winning, mm-hmm. you can lose like the giant amount of respect and knowledge that somebody could give you if you were available to be receptive and listen to it. Because yeah. maybe it's not a technique that's your issue. Maybe you're so good at techniques. But you have a mental block. Sure. That those videos are not going to help you get through. Maybe it's the coach having the values and relationships that you need to get to your next stage of life. Mm -hmm. That's I know this is strange and talking, but no, I I I can relate that back to actually CrossFit. Um, Okay, great. There's two types of gyms. Typically, you have the community gym, which everybody's just in here having fun, getting fit, um, enjoying themselves, and you have the hyper competitive gyms. Sure. But a lot of times, it's it can be tough to. To draw a balance of both of those. Oh yeah, 100%. Well, I mean, your training programs are different. Your culture has to be different. Yeah. Your coaching bedrooms have to be different. Yeah. Um, you can try to have both, but it, it is, it's, it's a tough. little difficult. Yeah, right? it's a tough balance to, to play. <laughs> um, and then if you're running a business, you, you then you start thinking like, how many competitors are paying me money? And yeah. you're like, guys, guys are going to pay rent. And it's like, yo bro, I'm just competing. You're not even really coaching me. I'm just <laughs> doing my own thing. And you're like, but I did all this for you. For you, that you <laughs> happens across the board. It's yeah. not just not just martial arts. Like in CrossFit, those yeah. are examples. Okay, yeah. great story. I was down in um, Norwalk. 
Connecticut? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, I mentioned him just recently in the podcast, but uh, Marcio Stambowski is down there. He's got a great school, mm. Gracie Sports down there. Very nice person. Mm. He, he's, he has more years on the map that I could catch up with. Mm. That's the way it is yeah. in, in jiu-jitsu, in Gracie jiu-jitsu. Started when he was like, what, five years old? Or original like black belts from down that area, down like the, the heyday, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's a new white belt student. Mm-hmm. He's very excited, a young athletic kid. And I walk over, uh, my, my friend Pedro got ranked to, to black belt oh, yeah. this past weekend from Marshall oh, awesome. It's very cool, very nice for all that to happen. And I'm just blessed that I'm asked to come along and, and yeah. like, I want to be there and support Pedro. Absolutely. Marshall remembers my name. I think that's the kindest thing in the world that, is, <laughs> uh, that Professor Marshall is doing that. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting on the mat. Marshall is off to the left, and this white belt athletic kid, and I walk over, I'm like, hey, I like, uh, would, would you like to do anything? Would you like to roll? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, no, I'm tired. I was like, okay. And he was like, oh, but I have a question for you. I was like, okay. <laughs> and he's like, can you teach me how to get out of like, the closed guard thing? I'm wearing a, a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I understand I black belt judo and I own a school and, and you know, belt, belts are belts, you know, whatever. <laughs> but at some point, belts are not just belts. Sure. There is someone with the red and white belt who's chatting with you. Yeah. Giving you a time of day and you turn to a brown belt. Yeah. And you ask for help. And I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. Like, I'm not used to this sure. new culture. Even though I have my own gym, I see it all the time. Yeah. It was actually kind of, like, amazing as a guest to come in and be like, wow. like." You... And so I had to be pretty gentle on my response. Yeah. Well, at least I think I need to be gentle on my yeah, response. Yeah. I was like, well, okay, can... Well, maybe maybe describe to me exactly what, what, what you're having an issue with. Yeah. And he says, like, oh, I, I can't get out of the closed guard. Like, what should I do? I'm like... Well, that's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> and I wait. I'm not going to tell this kid how to get out of closed guard in front of Professor Marshall Stambowski with sure, red and white belt. Sure. I, no way. No how. Yeah. Am I ever going to have the thought process that I'm going to give his student a better look? Yeah. It's a hierarchy. Than him. Yeah. That is so, like, arrogant. Sure. I would never do it. I would sure. never. And it's not my gym. It's like. Yeah. If someone asks a different question at a different time, and if someone's not sitting there and helping out, and I'm sitting there patiently, yeah. And Professor Marcio then steps in, mm-hmm. and he says, "Brett, is it okay if I use you as as an uke?" Yeah. He didn't even have to ask. Yeah. But he did. You sure? Right. Sure. And he nicely starts showing a guard break. I've never even used, so I, I'm like, this is this is great. It's something I would I would never even show anything close to that. Yeah. It was so basic, so simple. And the young man is like, oh, I, I don't know if I can do that because my knee's kind of sore. And I'm like, I would never ever like when I traveled all around the U.S. asking for any sort of help, I would never complain about anything. Yeah, just take it. Yeah. Like, like if you if you taught me a technique that you didn't have to because yeah. I was a poor kid and I had no money. And I was probably terrible at the time. Yeah. I'd do anything you asked at that time to get that time and energy from you. Sure. I would be as coachable as I possibly could. Yeah. And now this guy showed him this unbelievable technique one-on-one. Yeah. That he doesn't have to do to a brand new white belt. Sure. A guy that just looked at me and asked for help instead of him. And right. Like, That's a lot of patience. It's yeah. amazing he did that. Yeah. And he takes away. The kid's excited. He's all excited. And... 
that's where Marcio, he steps out. He goes, all right, we'll see it. And as they're walking away, I grab that young man. I said, hi, I want to give you some advice. Yeah. You should practice that <laughs> all the time, yeah. even if someone shows you something different. Yeah. Even if someone shows you what you think is easier for you to do, even if you think it's not the most effective way, you should practice that like minimum 100 times a day. <laughs> and if Marcio is watching, you should keep pressing it until like you hate it. Yeah. <laughs> if he's in the room and he can see you and you have time to spare, you should drill that until you literally hate doing it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay, he's confused. And I was like, because if you do not, he might not show you something again. Right. Right. He's she, like, oh, he's, he didn't listen to my advice. He's like, I gave him my advice. Care, doesn't listen. Doesn't, doesn't value it. my time. Yeah. Kids these days. Yeah. People these days. Yeah. Yeah. That, I believe, is canary in the coal mine. Mm. Not just of youth and understanding of hierarchies of respect and how mm. things might work, but also the idea is like you might know something more because you watch some tape over someone that's been coaching for like yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten, yeah. something years, doing martial arts for 20. Yeah. And I'm like, you have to be really careful how you come across because as, as a coach matures, I was a young coach. I'm still a young coach. Yeah. But as a coach, never mind a sensei. That's a whole other ballgame of ideas of what I have about differences between coach, sensei, professor, et cetera, et cetera, about uh, the verbiage and what that might mean sure. when you're the leader of something as strange as a martial arts gym. Go over that maybe <laughs> if there's time. I don't know. But you have to be careful how you come across. Yeah. You, you want – you don't have all the information. So you, you want people to talk to you. You want people to pay attention. You want to be coachable. You want to garner advice and knowledge the best you can. Mm. You can't do that if you're always talking. And you certainly cannot do that if you think you already have a better answer. Yeah, It's so dangerous for the growth of your mental and physical skill sets. Mm. And it's so dangerous. Mm. So I, so believe, that, that, I believe that's happening. Well, mentality comes in right well yes a true white belt like being a open. true white belt yeah not <laughs> the open. beginner white belts i think you're knowing what's going on in general which is very common right? right so one of my biggest things for my students sorry i hit the thing one of my biggest things for my students is like i try to make you into someone i like because mm -hmm. i know if i haven't if you're irritating me i'm not gonna help you very much sure sure that's the way it is but as as a maturing coach I am beginning to divide up my time with those that I see mm. have the personality and the ability to take my information. And use it? And use it. Which can be very difficult because at some point you're going to look at athletic people that have a lot of promise. They're studying all the time. They're mm. working really hard. They're working, working, working. It can be almost... You might also think like, well, they're my students. They're doing great. But at some point you have to go, are they listening to me? Fair, yeah. And then you have to go, do you want to be coached by me? Right. Or right. by anyone, really. Sure. Because if it's not me, you should go someplace else. Right. But a lot, of these, a lot of people, they're like, I learn better when I'm learning my own with a group. And I'm like, okay. I have students like this. Yeah, But yeah. These, these people are everywhere. Yeah. It's not just this. This is not an uncommon thing, but it's becoming more common. Right. And I, and I think to myself, Never has it been easier to learn in jiu-jitsu, mm -hmm. and never has it become so dangerous to not learn the right things. Mm -hmm. 
not technical wise, but like coaching wise. Yeah. About life skills, about communication, mm-hmm. about being receptive to others, about taking in information. Sure. The dojo is so much more than a place of fighting. Sure. Gyms are much nicer than they ever were. You can go in and expect not to get hurt. You can go yeah. in. You can go in right now, and you can expect to have sometimes a, a fundamental class just to get people in and be safe and learn how to do the major movements in a correct fashion. Yeah, you could have a great time. It's actually a blast. I would just. My only concern is understand that the people that have created the space for you to be there, a space to have a collective group of people that are all trying to become better each day step by step they might have put in so much more work and sacrifice that can be kind of understood mm-hmm. and it so it's a warning to students I guess and it's also a warning to, to, to coaches right now or professors senseis is like you might need even more patience for the new crowds coming in mm. and you also just have you just I would suggest be careful with the time that you put into people that you think have potential right Right. The ones with potential perhaps may not be the ones that show up originally and seem to be very athletic. Right. They seem to have a lot of potential for skill. Because you can find people that are almost as athletic, whatever that even means anymore. Sure. Right? Yeah. Who are just happy to receive information whenever mm-hmm. they can. Mm-hmm. If you if, if we if you could shift your focus on the ones that are giving you appreciation mm-hmm. and energy you might be able to make them into unbelievable students I guess one example could be like if you have you're, you're running a gym you have 10 people sign up one day and you see 3 of them that are like oh these are stud athletes yeah. and it's hard to say like okay who's going to be the best jiu-jitsu player here it yeah. might be the person you have no idea yeah, yeah it happens yeah. it happens all the time in the end, it's all time under under tension, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Tut. if the athletic kids get annoyed and they leave because they don't think they're getting enough time or attention or, or whatever it is, yeah. well, they left. Right. Maybe they went to another gym. They're going to do it again, though. Yeah. Right? They it's not their that, problem. It's everyone else's problem. They have that uh, NFL wide receiver mentality. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> Everything's about me. I'm the star of the show. Yeah. Um, and you almost have to have that humility, like in a way, to get better. It, it's it's really hard as as, uh, as someone that you're trying to develop a school of people, and you need to mm-hmm. develop really sound black belts, especially if you, if you have pride as as a coach. Like mm-hmm. I, mean, I do, I have ego as a coach and pride. Like I want to make some really unbelievable players. I really do. I want to make competitors. Mm-hmm. But like that that can be pretty. That can that can get a little daunting really mm-hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a I have a I had an unbelievable student. I think the other thing is. Um, when you do this for X amount of years, yeah. you have way more past students than you do current students. Sure, sure. And the people that show up and look at your gym, and they go like, where's all the serious people? And I was like, you missed them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've come and gone. Yeah. A, a gym of any sort, or a place sure. of any sort, does this. Yeah, up and down. Up and down. Just mm-hmm. like this. And so you're always in a process of development, developing your own partners. Yeah. I haven't seen a way out of this yet. Yeah. Now, people will say, yeah, but these other gyms are always competitive. They're always going hard. I'm like, that's because you know of them right now. What about the ones that used to be the best? 
Yeah. What about those? Yeah. Like, you don't know the names of them because they're not in the on flow grappling right sure, now. You just sure. don't know. Right. And everything goes up and down. My father-in-law, uh, Serge Boisu, he, which also is uh, then, uh, another thing that we, we can tag along in this, is mm. there's a lot of people in jiu-jitsu get kind of lost mm. in just jiu-jitsu. Sure. They sure. think, like, this is the only sport that matters. This is the end-all, be-all. This is the end-all, be-all. Like, uh, like, you know, this uh, Brett's not, uh, like, the best jiu-jitsu guy. Like, who knows? And I'm like, well, what about all the other knowledge that I have that you have <laughs> zero concept of? Sure. Now, you could be wrong. Maybe my jiu-jitsu is great, and I just don't have enough time to show you everything because <laughs> you're being annoying. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but my father-in-law. When people say, like, you know, like, I want to take something seriously, and this happens, this can actually correlate into mm. jiu-jitsu as an Olympic sport. Cool, yeah. Okay? Uh, I've noticed there's a lot of jiu-jitsu athletes, like, I take, I take jiu-jitsu really seriously. Mm. I study all the time, and I roll all the time. And I'm like, okay, mm. but you don't really know how to drill. Mm. And they go like, yeah, huh, I fight all the time. And I'm like, okay, mm. I'm going to let this go. My final has created more national champions that I could possibly understand mm. and even count. He'd have to stop and like write like a diary to figure out how many national champions <laughs> he's created in judo and uh, state champions and New England champions in wrestling. Yeah. It's actually outlandish. Sure. Well, no one jiu knows who he is. Yeah. Why? <laughs> he's it's, not a jiu-jitsu it's he's not practitioner, right? practitioner. Yeah. It's like, which one do you think was harder to create? Wrestling champions or judo champions? Or jiu-jitsu champions. I have no idea. I would assume wrestling's pretty hard. There's definitely sure. more wrestlers in the U.S. than jiu-jitsu. Totally, yeah, yeah. Right? Judo, yeah. judo may not be as hard within the United States as national level players, but it might be really hard to get judo up to that level to win nationals. Sure, yeah. It's brutal. It's so difficult. Judo yeah. is so exact. You have to have a great coach for judo. Yeah. Try learning judo on your own. <laughs> go for it. Go go do that. Go practice the throws. Go go no get that else. done. Try to learn wrestling on your own. Yeah. Like elite wrestling. Go ahead. Yeah, right. Go, go figure that out. Like teaching judo. <laughs> Sometimes I go, why am I even doing this? Like, <laughs> right? I'm like, it's so hard to teach judo. Yeah. Great judo. It's just really yeah, yeah. hard, right? Then it's wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then it's jujitsu. People might get mad at that, but this is the way it is. Sure. The reason why jujitsu is easier to teach than judo wrestling and here mm. is jiu-jitsu is not dependent on explosive accurate takedowns as a way in, uh, to win all the sports situations sure yes. right yes. Oh, oh Tanner's here on the <laughs> podcast Tanner shout out to Tanner owner of CrossFit Providence you're looking to good, get a good lift on Tanner's in the house okay those heavy things and people jiu-jitsu as a sport Right, as a sport, not as martial art, which looks eerily similar to like the early versions of, of judo or what was jujitsu, right, and all that stuff, and the wrestling, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the person can sit down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Groundwork, as as we know it today, is inherently slower than wrestling and judo. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like, there's nothing you can argue with that. Yeah. You, you can try. I guess you can try. Yeah. I, I don't think that's a good way to argue this, right? Um, because of that nature, mm-hmm. and potentially because of the nature of the culturalisms that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu grew out of, yeah. it's very laid back compared to the other sports. Sure. Comparatively. Sure, and sure. I feel like, I train really hard, and it's no gi, we train really hard. I'm like, it, well, comparatively. Comparatively. Okay? comparatively We're being yeah. compared. If you want to compare your elite gym 
to an elite gym for wrestling or uh, in the U.S. or Russia or another country, I'm, I'm afraid you're going to be humbled. Yeah. Okay? If you went to an elite gym in Jiu-Jitsu, an elite gym uh, or dojo for Judo, and you're in Japan or France... I think you're gonna be. I think you're gonna take a, a strong sip of a, like humble, uh, a water. Okay, <laughs> it's so hard because the drilling mm. has manifested to a level that like you want to be champion. You know how to make champions. You can have hard rounds at least in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But most of it is just merciless drilling. Yeah. Like you kind of want to die drilling. Okay. <laughs> like, like it's a it's a match. It's not good. It's <laughs> not enjoyable. If someone said like, Brett, are you gonna start training judo?" I go. I think I think at the moment I'm gonna just keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And everyone laughs, and I'm like, you just don't know. <laughs> you don't understand. You don't understand, like, the pain and agony it takes to get into proper competitive judo shape. Yeah. It's brutal. Yeah. Um, it's called like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uchikomis, which are fit-ins, all the time, and throwing. Mm. Like, people say. Um, Oh man, I, we had a hard time with because you went live all the time, and going live is really, really important. I'm not saying sure, that, sure. but it's not as high importance in some countries like Russia. They'll drill way more than they go live. Way less injuries, st- still winning at yeah. the international level. Oh, yeah. and this is not just in wrestling and, and judo. It's in almost all their sports, right? Sure. They're, 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 they're manifestation of their cultural ideas of how to, how to get really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna um, I'm gonna put a pin in that. All right. Uh, because we do have to wrap up. Oh, gosh, um, we did it again. we're going to have to hit a third one. We're going to have to hit a third one soon. No one wants to listen to the show. It's just me rambling. <laughs> I do, I do. I'm rambling. Okay. Um, so go- next time, I mean, I want to continue the conversation. All right. Hit on uh, why we, how it gets in or out of Olympic sports, you know, in jiu-jitsu. Um, I don't want to get into uh, a little gi no gi and then your strength training. <laughs> That's all right. We, we hit some awesome information there. We I hit, hope so. We hit some great information. I hope so. <laughs> and I think we we dove into a lot of just like the um, like the cultural aspects of uh, why it's so important to to be in a community like yeah. surrounded like like minded uh, like judo or jujitsu or wrestling with a coach that's experienced and know what they're doing. It's, it's so we'll, we'll wrap up with this. Gosh, you have to keep having me on the show. Everyone's gonna like not listen to the podcast. Like he keeps having bread on there. Like I'm trying. To, I just no, wanna, you're, you're I want to talk about macros. You're bread awesome. Talks about the macros, right? My fitness pal. So, um, the idea, in my idea of building dojos here in Rhode Island, as much as I have an ego and I'd like to create players that beat the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Great. I might have a few coming on the way, by the hey. way. They usually start as youth athletes, but yeah. that's because I have more development time, right? Sure. Um, I can still make whatever. You, if you have goals, I'll yeah. help you hit them. Totally. And I, I, I'm so obsessive with like helping people yeah. and martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> Put those two together. <laughs> to disaster. Listen to how many just rant, randomly <laughs> instead of talking to There's Matt. There's passion right there. there. There's passion. Um, the dojo is so much more than you practicing like arm bars and strangles. In the end, the bigger the gym gets, the bigger the community gets, the harder it is to have a cohesive culture. And the culture mm. might matter more than everything else. Totally. Because it's the team and the culture and the dynamic of a dojo and gym that when life gets real hard and real messy, you yeah. might have something to turn towards. Totally. What if your family life just ends Uploads. up in ruin? Yeah. Uploads. Just one day something happens. Some terrible accident happens. Yeah. What if financially you've lost everything? Like, 
life can get kind of crazy. A pandemic could just arrive and shut down your business and your way of life and thinking. Yeah. Right? Things happen in life. It would be nice to have a team of people from all different backgrounds, from all different capabilities and, and uh, incomes and business ideas your back. who have your back yeah. in a crisis. So totally. you kind of want to have a growing, not just team, but community that has your back. Because at some point, life does get hard. Yeah. And it might be really, really important to have that with you. Totally. Even when life's going really well, it's nice to have a mechanic who just so happens to train with you. Yeah. You get in some legal trouble, it's nice to have a lawyer on the mat who happens, who happens to, train to train with you. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I would give everyone a perspective that jujitsu, judo have the capabilities of enriching your life far beyond what you believe is possible on the mat. I've never been unsurprised when someone who starts this, maybe it's a military person, maybe it's a person that runs their business, yeah. maybe it's a young kid that's a little lost, yeah. maybe they're 18, 19, they didn't go to college, and they're trying, maybe they're in college, and they're just like, I don't even know why I'm here, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. It's amazing when you start doing this, you start honing on yourself and this practice, it's amazing what you can manifest for your life and for yourself and others. So I'll leave it at that. I love it. The well, last thing I'll say, <laughs> billboard. Billboard, Matt. Billboard. What goes up on that billboard? What's on the billboard? A great athlete at the time, and then he became a, a pop singer. But uh, I used to love this guy named Sudo Genki. Genki Sudo, however you want to say it in okay. Japanese, vice versa with the names over here, right? <laughs> he was one of the first mixed martial arts players that I was like, wow, he's wacky. Almost like he's dancing the whole time in the ring. Almost like he didn't have a care in the world when he was actually fighting. He was good, too. One day, he took out a flag after he won a fight and it's got all these countries all over his flag and in the middle it says we are all one nice. and that blew my mind because that was the first time I saw a martial artist a fighter at the time yeah who realized that he had a platform that he could increase awareness of being kind to one another as Unreal. a human race other people like they're just trying to promote their fight get yeah. the next paycheck this guy comes out with a flag we are all one and that had a major that's impact huge. on me and my brother it had a major impact that's huge. So love that. Going up on the billboard. Love it. I love that billboard. Cool. Matt, we got stuff awesome. to do. We gotta go. We gotta run. Round two was awesome. I can't wait for round three. Start the music. <laughs> All right, Roddy Strength signing off.